Everybody wants to get down like that. All right, all right, all right. Hi, how are you? My name is Brian Oak. This is episode 81 of The Brian Oak Show, along with my partner and producer, Sean Bernard. Thank you very much for tuning into the show. My thanks to Colleen Cruz for filling in in my absence. Was it toe fungus? Was it space camp? Well, no, it was neither of those things. (laughs) I have been gone, and I thank everybody for their patience, but I've been gone for a rather conspicuous 28 days, and we will get into that more just a little bit ahead. But I do want to thank that we're here recording in the Smart Start MN studio in beautiful and historic South Minneapolis, right here near 48th and Chicago, a beautiful time of year to be in one of the most beautiful cities on planet Earth. That would be Minneapolis, Minnesota. And it's nice to be back, man. Did you miss me? I did miss you. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm really happy for you. I'm glad you're healthy. Um, you sound great. I feel you know, good, man. I feel really th- good. That's the cool part. It's like, and so where, where, you know, where this goes from here is up to you. But man alive, I'm glad that you're back. I, I miss doing shows with you, and I. Because I care about you so much, I'm glad you're okay. I appreciate that, Sean. I feel the same way, and I miss terribly being here, and I couldn't have left it in better hands than with you and Colleen. Again, my name is Brian Oak, and I am an alcoholic. And I'm not saying that lightly, nor am I saying it to mock anybody in recovery or yeah. in the program, but it turns out it's true. I had uh, a long, decades-long love affair with Irish whiskey. Mm-mm. Still love it, or at least the thought of it, uh, but it did. It caught up with me, and after a very frightening 12-hour episode in the emergency room, followed by four days of intensive detox, I decided the best thing for me to do would be to reevaluate my life. At the age of 52, I entered my very first inpatient treatment program uh, over at Fairview Riverside, Launching Plus, whose staff I can't say enough good things about, but it was time for me to reevaluate where I was and what was happening in my life and what I had become. You know, liquor wasn't always something that had a firm grip on my life. I always enjoyed it, but within the last few years, it took a turn for the ugly, and you know, I'm one of the lucky ones in the sense that I had relatively few consequences in my life. You know, I did yeah. have a, a DUI back in 2001, but mm-hmm. at that point, I was still just an occasional drinker, you know, and so when you hear some of the horror stories or the war stories, especially when you're in intensive in, inpatient therapy and treatment in small groups for almost a month, you know, I felt very fortunate, but I also realized that I, you know, it's not a, it's not a comparison game, you know, maybe some people have lost everything, and maybe you were lucky enough not to, but I became a consumer consistent and regular and heavy enough drinker that it began to genuinely impact my health. Now, I got lucky. You know, that the emergency room was terrifying. I'll, I'll yeah. go into the deeper details on that coming up a little later in the show. I want people to understand it is not my goal to proselytize. I do not no. want to be a virtue signaler. I'm not trying to say, I'm in recovery. I'm better now, and I'm better than people who don't drink. To be fucking honest, I am jealous of people who know how to drink and do it <laughs> yeah. reasonably. We call them normies yeah, on me the too. inside. Yeah. Normies. Um, because we're not like you. And, you know, I know that you don't drink, Sean. No, and but you know that even since we've been doing the podcast together, rare was the podcast, or maybe never was the podcast that I didn't at least have one little drink that I was nursing over here on the side, and unfortunately that kind of became all my free time or even my work time, and uh, it caught up with me, man. I never really, I've never really gone into withdrawals before, and again I'll go into that deeper, but uh, real proper. Alcoholic withdrawals often lead to seizure and more than any other drug of choice or chemical dependency, self-detoxing or withdrawals are fatal on a higher percentage with alcohol than they are with any other intoxicant, including heroin and opioids. Which is crazy. It's it's absolutely nuts. And so it was a giant wake-up call for me. So I'm back after doing... 
more than a month of not being at home, being away from my cat, being away from the podcast. It's super wonderful to be back, man. I'm really, really glad to be here. Absolutely. And I, I like what you said. I think today is going to be about uh, your recovery. And as it's, you know, a part of the show and a part of your life, we're mm-hmm. going to talk about it along the way. But this show is not going to be about recovery. I've been in recovery since uh, November 11th of 2013. Right. I'll share some of that later on the show and what, you know, what works for me. But again, not from a righteous place. Yeah, no, no, and, and no judging and no, no telling people. I mean, my no. God, think about how much I've celebrated the glories of brown liquor. And <laughs> I got to be honest, I had a lot of good times. But then all of a sudden, my body is like, fuck you. You don't get to do this to me anymore. Yeah. And again, so the, the, a lot of the story was scary. But I will say this. After 28 days and after going through inpatient and really being scared enough after my experience in the emergency room that I I want to be a one and done. There were so many people who were in there for a double digit time, you know, yeah. 13th time, 14th time. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm too old to have that be my story, right? Because next time, maybe I'm not so lucky. Maybe next time I don't dodge that bullet. So I just want to let people know where I was. I want to be straightforward about it. I'm not trying to be righteous or preachy about it, but I'm also not hiding from the fact that alcohol got the better of me. And now it's something I'm going to have to watch and avoid and you know find a new way to approach things but you know a month into being sober I feel so much more clear-headed my body feels so much better than it did Um, and I'm just I'm very glad to be here so I'm not telling anybody else what they need to do or how they need to evaluate their drinking or what their life is supposed to look like as I've learned in the last month that is the individuals it's all about choices and decisions and you have to decide well, unless like me, your body decides to decide for you, which probably was the best thing that could have happened to me. Which I, you know, of course, I never said a word to you. I never Not said once. a word. Never. You know, I never once said, hey, Brian, uh, here's what I think you should do. Right. It's your it's your life to live. It's your story to tell. I do care about you a ton. And I knew, I, I knew that it wasn't okay. Right. Uh, but it was like. You got to decide that. I'm not going to convince you of anything or sell you on some idea of something. You had to get to the point you got to, which was scary as hell. It was. uh, To be able to decide that you want to live. Yeah. And I do want to live. I am, you know, I think that we've done good podcasts, but you know, a couple of them. And again, I'm not hanging blame on him because I love him like a brother, (laughs) but our, but our once a month whiskey Wednesday with Billy, Billy and I would not show a lot of restraint. And when you get to the end of some of those podcasts, they're a little loosey goosey. And, and I got no problem with that. I like having fun. I like to be free and loose on this show, but maybe not to the point that we got to. And again, it it wasn't just Billy. There were plenty of times when Billy wasn't here where I was, I was more than Billy, more than I love that man like a brother no yep. they i was more than capable of getting there completely on my own regardless of guests so sure. uh, the reason one of the reasons that kept me motivated while i was in treatment is i want to do better on this show i want to focus harder on this show not that i wasn't focusing or doing any homework before but a lot of times you know because i had 25 years experience in radio we could just hit record and wing it and i don't want to wing it anymore i want it to be a little more thoughtful i want it to still be fun and i still want to have oh, great yeah. guests on here there, i mean there's no way we can get away from that but i want to do good work man i still have a lot left to do with my life and that's another one of the reasons that i've decided i'm staying sober i got out yesterday uh yesterday i got done with 28 days of inpatient treatment again a shout out to the good people over at fairview riverside lodging plus an incredible staff just a wonderful from the from the top down from the administrative level to the nursing staff to the counselors uh everybody there was amazing 28 days of hospital food damn 
That was not, that was not the best part. But if that's my biggest complaint yeah. about a radical change in life, then then I'm still a very very fortunate. If individual. If the food was fantastic, you wouldn't want to leave. I, well, here's the, here's the weird thing when you when you go through treatment that intensively, you know, there was the overall uh, patient population, but you broke into groups of like seven or eight, and all of us came up through detox at the same time. So I was there with, with for a month, twice a day for two hours each session, pouring my guts out as they poured theirs out. Oh yeah, the level of bonding, like. Think of like band camp or, or summer camp. Yeah. 28 days of telling complete strangers things you haven't told some of your best friends over and over every day. The bond there, when I left yesterday morning, I was a little melancholy, man. I, was, I mean, I was excited to get back oh, to yeah. my life, but I mean, I was sad. These people knew me. I, I became fast friends with these people. It was, it's a very odd experience to be sad yeah. about leaving treatment. Well, you're see you're, you're you're usually not super vulnerable with people you've just met in other walks of life. Right. So I, I was afraid you were going to be like Brooks from uh, Shawshank Redemption and you would be institutionalized. <laughs> I wouldn't want to. <laughs> I, I can't ever not have this. No, I have a good life to get back to. And I've got a great support network. And it's it's been startling to me just how many people who are dear friends and colleagues and associates are in the recovery community and are sober. So I feel good about my chances, man. I feel I more too. clear-headed than I have in a long time. My body feels so much better, and um, it's time to see what's next. So I do want to thank, before we get into some music here, I want to thank all the Patreon supporters who not only have stuck with us over this last month where I was at Space Camp, which, damn, I wish I'd been at Space Camp (laughs) instead of in recovery, Um, but I also, I want to thank, um, you know, all of our sponsors, Smart Start MN, uh, Busters on 28th, Patreon for their generosity, and again, like like I said, all our Patreon people who've stuck with us, um, not only is the world a hard place to be, but I didn't make it any easier on you for the last month for people who are have a financial investment in this show. So thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to the loyal listeners. Thanks to Colleen Cruz for coming in. Thank you, Sean, for you holding bet. it all together. Uh, and just thanks, everybody. And um, bear with me. You thought that you thought that drunk Brian was irritating? Wait till you get a taste <laughs> of sober Brian. Wait until you get a taste of him. One of the things that got me through, because it, you know it went by quick in retrospect, but there were days that were very long in recovery. And there were some really good days. And there were days where you're thinking about your future. And one of the things they talk about is grief and not only grief at what your life was like and some bad things you may have done but you're saying goodbye to one of your best friends by the time you're in treatment mm-hmm. your drug of choice has been whether that's booze opioids whatever the case may be you have made your drug of choice one of your very best friends if not the defining friend in your life and saying goodbye to that is actual genuine grief and you have so, to mourn the loss you do and it's an important part of it and the first time i heard that i'm like that's one of the stupidest things i've ever heard <laughs> And then all of a sudden, I'm 30 days in, and I'm like, shit, I loved Irish whiskey. But it turns out, I got to be done with it. So one of the things that got me through on the longer days or the darker days was music. And I listened to a ton of music. Well, now, again, there was a lot of work going on. But in the downtime, I found myself listening to a lot of music. And there were a couple of bands that really sort of defined the heart and soul of it. Now, this first band we're going to hear, they have always been one of my core bands since I was a teenager. And I just love everything they ever put out. They were a two-headed monster when it came to singing and songwriting. And unfortunately, we lost the guy who sings on this song and wrote this song, Grant Hart. But over the years, I got to know mm-hmm. Grant. Uh, I got to know Greg Norton very well, uh, mm-hmm. bass player. And Bob Mould in, on more than a casual, hey, acquaintance. And if you'd have told teenage me that one day you will befriend all the members of Husker Du, uh, I would have stopped right there. And I'd be like, well, I don't really need to do anything else. Everything's <laughs> fine. Everything is fine. But one of my all-time favorite bands, and listening to all the war stories and the horror stories and the people who've been through 14, 15 treatments, 
no judgment on you, but this is the song that would hit home most for me when I thought about people who, you know, they'd say the right things and they wanted to get better or they'd say they wanted to get better, but it just seemed like they were, well, I'll let the song do the rest of the talking. Here's Who's Could Do on The Brian Oak Show.
Drive, I'm gonna get my shit together. Jersey's finest right there. That would be Fountains of Wayne off 2003's Welcome Interstate Manager's Bright Future in Sales. Now, that band had a surprise hit with Stacy's Mom. And oh, really, yeah. that's probably the only song that the vast majority of people out there, no judgment, have heard of by Fountains of Wayne. Not exactly a household name, but they are one of the greatest American power pop bands of the last 30 years, last 25 years. I think they got their start in the mid-90s out of New Jersey. And that song right there is about a guy who's got a bright future in sales, (laughs) but he can't seem to travel, whether by bus, plane, or boat, without getting absolutely shit-faced. And that uh, that particular band, Fountains of Wayne, I've always loved the incredible pop sensibilities of that band and sort of the melancholy nature. If you're going to get there, if you're going to start with any of their records, the the, the beginning, the first record, the self-titled one is pretty great, but the, um, oh man, they've got so many good records. Utopia Parkway and Welcome Interstate Managers, absolutely worth listening to. Now, the main singer in the band is a tall, skinny, blonde guy with big, thick black glasses called Chris Collingwood, and he was the main voice, but the real secret weapon in that band was Adam Schlesinger, who Hmm. also was in the band Ivy and Tinted Windows, but Adam Schlesinger, he would go on, in addition to being in that band, he was in those other bands, but he also won three Emmy Awards, a Grammy Award, was nominated for an Academy Award, Tony Award. and Golden Globe Awards for his production and songwriting abilities. You remember the movie That Thing You Do? Oh, yeah. Featuring The Wonders? Yeah. He wrote that song, That Thing You Do. And so... And he's lead vocals? No, he was the the guitar player. He was Oh, he sounds a lot like the guy that is the lead vocalist. Well, I mean, and so their production and their harmonies, he played a huge part in that. Okay. Adam Schlesinger, a huge behind-the-scenes guy, and also a big part of why Fountains of Wayne are one of the most brilliant power pop bands ever with his production and vocal additions there. Unfortunately... 
So they became a big part of the soundtrack of my recovery in the last 28 days, right, sure. in treatment. But as you may remember, it was back in April of this year that Adam Schlesinger, at the ripe young age of 52, which is how old I am, died of complications from COVID. Oh, no. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, again, that you sucks. think like, well, I'm robust. I, I can do this. I got this thing yeah. down. No problem. And there you go. He caught the COVID. And, you know, the numbers are still going up. And mm. to think of somebody who was that accomplished and that brilliant at that kind of music, gone. Just gone forever through no fault of his own. <sighs> he happened to catch this shit virus that has caused a global pandemic. And people still don't seem to be taking seriously enough. And before that, Dead Set on Destruction by legendary Minnesota trio Husker Du. It's episode 81 of the Brian Oak Show. And before we go any further, I would like to thank our primary sponsor, Smart Start MN. What do they do? They are Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. That means they put a, if you should have a DUI or someone you know, someone you love, friend, family, or you, it is a possibility, much though I hate to admit it, you're going to lose your license. You are going to have to pay a lot of money. You're going to have to jump through a ton of hoops to get everything back right. But they can get you back in your vehicle much sooner than you otherwise would by installing the ignition interlock. Smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show, and they'll give you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock so you can take your kids to... Highlight lessons. <laughs> You caught me off guard. There. I, I wanted to. I you, wanted you know, to. Be like, <laughs> you'd think. You'd think while I was in treatment, I could have sat down and written like five thousand of exactly. those out, but it never occurred to me. <laughs> I totally, totally spaced it. Hey, before we get back and talk about the story of my month at space camp, uh, and being recruited to Space Force, but respectfully declining. <laughs> uh, I do want to mention as well that, Sean, you, uh, again, the the lavish lifestyle that being part of the Brian Oak Show has allowed you to live, you also have a love and a side hustle that involves realty for Edina Realty. How are things in the realty world right now? Is it busy in summer like it usually is? It's strong to mostly strong. Okay. No, I, I, I love that. I love that you said bright had bright future in sales because that's such a it's like such a cliche. Yeah, he's like, no. I, the the right. chorus goes, "I got to get my shit together. I can't live like this forever. I've got a oh, what is it? It's um, I've got a new computer and a, a bright future in sales. Yeah, yeah. So oh, that's how, so how how bright is the future in in how in home sales? It's strong. It really is. I mean, things have been good. Um, strong, strong to mostly to strong. Mostly strong. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> You know, I, I could use more business uh, starting after this month. I mean, it's been, it's been, I've been blessed. I feel fortunate. Uh, I, it annoys me when people say blessed sometimes because I'm like, really, does that mean everybody else is not blessed? But, yeah. But I just felt it's been good. And, and I've had some friends that have, have asked me to help them out. I've got some good long, long-term long stuff going on. The fall is looking a little thinner. But yeah. if you or somebody you know is looking to buy or sell a home, I love to help people out. And I don't care what the level is. I had somebody that was looking to buying like a prefab home for 55 grand. They're like, would you handle something that small? I said, sure. And I have friends that want to buy something at 700,000. I'm like, yeah, I can help you there too. I just want to help you make a really smart decision financially for you and your family and make sure that we're checking the comps and making sure that we're doing the right thing. So 612-859-2594. That number is text worthy as well. 612-859-2594. 
859-259-2594. Well, I wouldn't work with Sean if Sean was a jerk and wasn't conscientious. And because we decided to work together and understand that about one another, it's why none of the people who are going to be involved with sponsoring this show are jerks either. We would not send you somewhere that we don't trust ourselves or wouldn't utilize ourselves. Uh, I don't intend on getting any DUIs because, well, that ship has sailed. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. By the way, speaking of, thanks for tuning in. Episode 81 of The Brian Oak Show. My name is Brian, and I am an alcoholic. And I'm Sean. I'm an alcoholic. And I I'm can't not, say it. I I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not saying that lightly. I've been to, uh, I, well, I went to my, I got out of treatment yesterday, went to my first Zoom AA meeting last night, and there were AA meetings while I was in treatment. And so I'm now part of the recovery system. And it's true. Uh, my drinking got out of control. I was Mr. Fun Drinker for a long time. And then Mr. <laughs> Mr. Too Much Drinker on occasion, but not Mr. Daily Drinker. And I'm going to give you the real Cliff's Notes version here because nobody wants to hear the whole story. But in the last few years, my drinking became, well, even more so, you know, I would as part of when I worked in radio doing like even Oak on the Water, I wasn't drinking every day. But for those kind of events, you know, I wasn't great socially. And, you know, you get a little in the words of Sean, get a little greased up and it's a yeah. lot easier to make small talk and talk to people. Right. It is. I felt more comfortable in my own skin. And so even though I wasn't getting blasted, it was being a little lubed up was it made it easier for me to do that, and it just became part of the fabric of what I did for a living. Now, at every event, I wasn't loaded. At every event, I wasn't drinking, but I was drinking at plenty of them, and then at some point in the last few years, it really turned the corner where drinking was a daily thing. Even if I'd ever really got noticeably drunk on a day, there wasn't a day that I wasn't drinking. Mm -hmm. And then in the last probably year or so, well, not year, probably more like eight months, it was not only every day, but it kind of became around the clock. Whatever was yeah. left in the bottle from the night mm -hmm. before supplanted my morning coffee, uh, but it had the opposite effect. It didn't get me drunk again, didn't like make me tired. It kind of like my eyes opened up. I'm like, all right, time to start the day. And, you know, I mean, I was drinking here at the podcast. I was drinking at my other job. Um, you know, again, not to the point of being drunk or falling over or dropping things, but just putting a very consistent amount of booze inside my body on the regular. And then we come up to Friday, July 10th. I was trying to finish up the last of my taxes and get out of town. I had a boys weekend schedule mm -hmm. up at our mutual friend Jason's yes. uh, up on in uh, Lake Carlos in Alexandria. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to drink anything this morning. I'll just wait till I get up there, and I'm sure we're going to light it up like a bottle rocket all weekend long anyways. And that means for the first time in a while, my body went 12 hours without booze, and I went into withdrawals. Now, I've had mornings where I felt a little shaky, you know, yeah. after drinking. Nothing like proper actual alcohol withdrawals, actual DTs, yeah. uh, wicked, wicked chills profuse sweating at the same time mm. uh nausea like i've never felt even on my worst hangover a throbbing headache and the most telltale factor was my hands like when well, now we've all been a little uncertain or nervous and had your hands shake a little bit oh yeah this was trembling like worse than i mean i i, I couldn't stop them any less than this oh. i mean it was it was insane scary and i never had anything like that before so went to the emergency room and let's see uh two iv bags some ativan uh, a mobile chest x-ray, or, or they wheeled it into the emergency room, an EKG, and a, uh, what do they call it, when they look at a... Uh, ultrasound? Yes, thank you. An ultrasound on my liver later, and 12 hours of laying in the emergency room, they came back, and I was very lucky in that I don't have cirrhosis. Uh, my EKG came back surprisingly, despite the fact that I'm a smoker, exercise poorly, eat like shit, and a heavy drinker. Um, my heart numbers were surprisingly good. My blood pressure was off the chart, and my li liver enzymes, both the key ones, were more than five times what they're supposed to be, mm. meaning my liver 
it was it, it basically was the what started this cascade of my body completely falling apart and having not gone through withdrawals before knowing very little about what alcohol withdrawal was like i was told that i was probably less than 12 hours away from a proper seizure which is pretty common <sighs> in withdrawals and it's not uncommon for people who do that once you stop, I mean, if I'd had a drink that morning, none of that would have kicked in. That cascade wouldn't have started. And, you know, again, but I, then I only would have continued to do more damage to myself. So they, you know, it's, it's the, the, if you read the literature, people who detox on their own from alcohol, the fatality rate, mortality rate is higher than any other drug of choice, controlled substance, more mm. so than opioids, more so than heroin. Alcohol will kill you once you start imbibing it in serious enough amounts. So, and again, I'm not do I'm not trying to do any virtue signaling here. I'm just letting people know it wasn't space camp that I was at for the last 28 <laughs> days. I went to the emergency room for 12 hours and I was bad enough that I was then admitted immediately well after my first of two COVID tests, which by the way, have you had a COVID test yet? I'm having one on the 18th. I'm oh. doing uh, the antibody test because I thought I might have had it in February. I had really weird okay. uh, chills and everything else. But Do you know if they're just taking blood to check for antibodies? I think or they're they taking doing... blood. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, that's better than the swab. Fuck that swab. Oh, man. I heard it's that... like tickles your brain. And the back of your eyeball. Yeah, no, it's not cool. Oh, um, it's, it's really not cool. But anyway, once I was cleared of, uh, that I didn't have COVID, they brought me up to the detox ward where, again, my shakes and everything else would not subside. And I was scared, man. I was, I was genuinely... I've never felt like that in my whole life. I'm yeah. 52 years old, and this was my first withdrawal. Um, I was fucking terrified, and I was shaking so badly. They, I've never had a benzodiazepine in my life, you yeah. know, benzos. Um, I was shaking so bad, they gave me double the normal dosage of Ativan and a Valium. I don't remember my first three days in detox. And when, when I came to, I had a yellow... So you're in a hospital gown or scrubs the entire time, yeah. right? Detox is weird. You're locked in. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> it's And it's 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 a... a you know, I've heard that it's better than other detoxes. Thankfully, I don't have the perspective of other detoxes, but I don't really remember much. But I do remember that when I started remembering memories again, when I came to, I had a bright yellow wristband on my right wrist. Yeah. And I had a uh, walker in front of me. Like I, I was, I was moving behind a walker, oh and my I, gosh. I, I remember looking down and thinking, "What?" Oh, that yellow wristband, by the way, said "falling risk" on it in giant black block letters, "falling risk." Oh, and wow. I was using a walker to walk down the hallway at detox, and I, I was, I was baffled. I, it took me a while to piece together where I was and why I was there. But I, the thing that baffled me most is I was shuffling behind a walker. Like, I hope they had the decency to put those little tennis balls on there. No, sir. What the no. fuck? Well, I think they knew it wasn't going to be a permanent thing. Now, needless to say, yeah. through the, the, the excellent medical care they provided over there, uh, this is again at Fairview Riverside, and um, the the sort of the medication, the coaching me through, apparently yeah. I was very adamant about leaving a couple times when I was in my Ativan haze, which yeah. I thankfully don't really remember that well, but apparently at some point I took a header, and then I was a falling risk. Uh, but I came enough out of my haze by the end of my fourth day there to realize that outpatient wasn't the key, that I had reached a certain point and I was going to go to treatment for the first time in my life. Now, I knew that you being sober for as long as you have, you're coming up on seven years, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And the other place I work, the record store, Mill City Sound, the owner there has been sober for a great long time. So Mm -hmm. after talking to you, talking to him, I realized that I could afford to take a month off and get my shit straight because I got to be honest, when I was in the emergency room, I honestly thought I might die. And I, yeah. I've, I've been in stupid situations or near misses, mm-hmm. whether it be in cars or whatever, sure. you know, uh, before. But I never had the opportunity to lay there and contemplate the fact that this might actually fucking be it. And that's a powerful motivator. And so I, I got to be honest, 
God, it's amazing the lies and the contortions we <laughs> we will tell ourselves and what we'll put ourselves through to not take care of ourselves because I had heard that if you went to the inpatient over there at Fairview Riverside, there was no smoking. And I thought, you know, I just went oh. through five days with no cigarettes trying to recover from one of the scariest incidents of my life. So we did a little video conference uh, with one of the, uh, my caseworker and I, with one of the nice people. God, they were good people over there at Fairview. Yeah. Um, they, with uh, well, one of them, I'm like, can I, and so I basically decided I'm going to inpatient. But I said, now I have to ask, are there smoke breaks? And she said, yep, four times a day. I'm like, what are the times? 6 a.m., 12 <laughs> noon, 4 p.m., 8 p.m. And right there I decided, you know what, I'm going to go into inpatient. And so that's where I've been for the last 28 days. I wish that I was doing zero Gs in the Vomit Comet at Space Camp, but um, this actually, and one yeah. day I still hope to do that. You know, I'm well, so, I won't be in Space Force, but it was... This it was time, man. I've had lots and lots and lots, probably too many good times with Irish whiskey, but that's got to be a part of my past now. Well, and I want to say, you know, from my perspective, from Colleen Cruz's perspective, we were not trying to make light of the situation God, at all, but no. but we were trying to honor your privacy, and so we were in this position where we couldn't say anything to anybody, so we were just trying to be a little playful until you got back, and and your, you know, the other people that reached out to me privately, I just tried to keep you know, your story, your story, and let that be your deal that you could talk to them about and have the conversation. But I'm incredibly happy as your friend first. Right. And, you know, a colleague of a very long time. I've always admired you. I've admired your passion for music. I think you're a big part of your spirituality is music. And and that is contagious. You know, that's what you've brought to the Twin Cities for so many years. And, And just to know that you are making a choice to be healthy is fantastic because you bring a lot to the twin cities you do you you've you've introduced me to so much music you've introduced so many other people to so much music and i'm i would never try to recruit you i I love the groucho marx line that you may steal at any time that i use all the time i say i would never belong to a club that would have someone like me as a member right meaning that i don't want anybody else to have to be in aa or you know i've done it because i love the psychology of how it works for me. Right. Doesn't mean it's right for everybody. Correct. But for me, I love the idea that I need to know that I'm not in control. I love the idea of making a list of everything I've done wrong and what other people have done to offend me. I love the idea of making amends. That's just good psychology to make amends. And as I've said to people, because I sponsor guys too, and I've said, ultimately... I asked for forgiveness for the things that I did wrong, but ultimately I was able to forgive myself. Which is a crucial part of it. I have a very clear conscience at this point in my life. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. I still fuck up all the time. But the cool thing is I try to make amends for it right away when I fuck up. Mm -hmm. I own my part of it and I try to. So, and then the ultimate end of it is, is really that you're helping other people. Well, tell me that's not a good thing in society. Could we use a few more people? So it's well, crucial. Yeah. So, so nobody I know that's in the program has it all figured out. Mm-hmm. But you're you're going to this, these meetings with people that are just working on their lives, and I love having a peer group of people that haven't decided that they have all the answers. It's really a group of seekers of people that are just looking to. I'm trying to fucking figure out how to live the rest of my life to have a meaningful, and whether I'm given ten years or thirty years to have a meaningful existence going on. And so congratulations. I I was thrilled when I heard you were going to inpatient because I just feel like it works better for a lot of people. I Um, needed it, man. And and it it was, comparatively speaking, it was... 
I'm not going to say easy, but it was, it removed temptation. Now, granted, I wasn't locked in. I could have left any time I oh, wanted. Yeah. yeah. But I decided, well, if I'm in this, let's do this. I mean, because clearly I need it. And I remain here more than a month later, scared, almost literally scared to death of how that all went down. So first of all, never, ever, ever stop poking fun at me, no matter how no. dire the situation no. is. Otherwise, I always will. Otherwise, we're not friends. <laughs> yeah. So I don't take any of that shit personally. <laughs> Secondly, thank you for the nice words, man, because I, that was one of the things that kept me going. And we, it's like, well, so, so what's on the other side of this? Why do you want to live a life, Brian, that doesn't have drinking in it? And there's a lot of reasons. I have good friends. I have good family. I still have important work to do. And yeah. I still have a lot more fucking bands and musicians to yes, find that do. I've never heard of. Always learning is an important part of my credo. And I want to do that up until the bitter end. So, again, this is not about posturing. And it's also, you know, but I'm also to the same token. I, you know, I'm glad that you respected the privacy of it because some people do think of treatment or alcoholism as a black mark, right? They, they, yep. they, they, they don't want people to know that about them. Yeah. So again, I am not out there advertising that I'm an alcoholic, but I'm also not afraid to tell this part of the story because it might actually save my fucking life. And it might save somebody else's life. That's the thing about sharing it, that some people don't like to share it, and that's their business. But for me, I've shared it because I figure, well, fuck, what if somebody I know or their kid or somebody else is really struggling right now. Mm -hmm. I'm also somebody who I suffer from anxiety and panic attacks and yep. some depression, um, especially in the winter. But that's stuff that I just share now. I'm like, fuck it. Okay, so I'm weird and I've got anxiety and panic attacks sometimes. But it's just, it's it's in my gene code. Just like being alcoholic is mm -hmm. in my gene code. Like m so many family members for me. Oh my God. Going back, I mean, years and years and years in my family it's clear that this is genetic yeah well this was not a choice this is something that's just part of who i am it's not strictly genetic but the genetic predisposition yeah. is a huge, oh, huge. factor and yeah, huge. i'm the same way i mean we both come from irish catholic families yes. and <laughs> i hate to fill the stereotype but oh my god every single person on my dad's side has a substance abuse issue so yep. here we are i have not made it yet the hard work starts now i just got out of treatment yesterday and now you know all around us are the regular temptations the triggers they love to talk about in therapy but I will have, you know, in fact, I'm going to share what should have been a powerful trigger, but wasn't right before we walked into the studio today, the Smart Start MN studio. But before we do that, let's hear another song. This one goes back a ways. This one goes back to the 1960s, the late 60s, mm. a very short-lived girl group who I stumbled across a record when I was working at the record store, and it was expensive. But that's because they never reissued these early records, and I was like, damn. Um, but I'd never heard it, and I listened to it, and I freaking loved it. Now, apparently, these are three sisters. Priscilla, Albeth, and Cheryl are Cheryl, spelled very oddly, uh, and their last name is Paris. They are the Paris sisters, and they were out of California. I believe they came out of San Francisco. They had a couple of minor hits back mm. in the late 60s. They were sort of noted for working with Spil Phil Spector before he became a complete maniacal murderer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, literally a murderer. There's that. Um, they other they did have a top 40 single called He Knows I Love Him Too Much. Uh, they also broke through a couple times with All Through the Night, Let Me Be the One. But for whatever reason, this is a girl group that didn't sustain. Like, they never got played on oldies radio, at least not here in the upper Midwest. Yeah. But I really, really love this. And it also ties into what I've learned so far in recovery, you cannot be afraid to ask for help. There are people there to help you. Now, again, and I think Sean and I share this attitude, we don't want to preach to anybody, no. and we don't want to tell you how to live your life. If you don't come to it on your own, it's never going to work anyways. No, that's, exactly. that's pointless. But the second you decide you want help, that community out there is so ravenous to help other people because they know it fucking works. So if you're thinking about it, 
keep thinking about it and make the decision you want to make. But even if you don't think I'm an alcoholic, I need that. No matter what your situation is, maybe it's mental health. Maybe you are going through suicidal ideation. Maybe Mm. you are just down in your fucking luck and don't have a fucking dime to your name. You cannot be afraid to ask for help. This right here, going back to 1967, the Paris sisters, won't you help me on The Brian Oak Show? sisters won't you help me now a few fun facts about that 60s girl group right there three sisters out of san francisco early on in the 60s before they ever really cracked the charts uh very early in the 60s which i mean they really started to hit in 63 64 and then you know already by 67 they had a best of even though they'd only released one (laughs) album uh they uh the paris sisters appeared in a 1962 british rock film called it's trad dad released in the u.s as ring-a-ding rhythm and that was directed by richard lester who would go on to do movies with the Beatles and lots of other cool rock movies. I think Richard Lester did both Hard Day's Night and uh, mm. Help. Um, you know, And there was a, a whole spate of those kind of cool, groovy, youth-oriented rock and roll movies back then because the kids loved it. Later on, Sherelle Paris, probably the least significant of the three, not saying that anyone was insignificant, but she was sort of the least prominent member of the group. She would go on to serve as production assistant uh, on The Price is Right, and she was Bob Barker's personal assistant until she was released in the year 2000 wow fun facts oh my gosh will wonders never cease but that right there the paris sisters won't you help me from 1967 on the brian oak show it is episode 81 and my thanks to busters on 28th they are a great little restaurant you can now go inside and they pride themselves on one of the widest selections of bottled and tap beers in the twin cities they also have a great selection of wine but for me personally not being a bigger big beer wine guy well especially now but i wasn't before either even though they have this incredible selection there the food the food is always exceptional. If you look at something like, oh, a pulled pork sandwich with french fries, it's not like a regular pulled pork sandwich. I know because I had one last night for dinner. 
but actually it's making my mouth water just thinking about the other half of it. I haven't tried that yet. I absolutely have to try that. I I love pulled pork. Pulled pork is always good. It's hard to screw up pulled pork, but this is exceptional. Again, they're good people and they are trying to struggle through this like anybody. And if you're not at the point yet, like I don't know that I'm at the point yet where I want to go sit down in a restaurant and it contains space. A lot of people are doing it. They also have patio space outside. You can sit there. I, but they, they're curbside. You can go to busterson28.com, order their food. Go at, Do me a favor. Even if you don't end up going there tonight or in the near future, go look at their menu and think to yourself, oh, that's a Cubano. I've had those plenty of times. Think about the best Cubano you've ever had or pulled pork sandwich. And they've got a lot of other stuff all over the map on that menu. Go take a look at it. Give it a shot. I... I want. I can't say I guarantee you're going to love it because people love. It's like so everything. good. I've never had anybody say they didn't like it that likes Cubanos. And they're good people. Again, Sean and I have made a solemn promise not to deal with fuck faces. Uh, <laughs> even even sort of like you know notable jerks. We just we refuse to <laughs> do it. Jerks. And they've stuck through us through all these hard times: global pandemic, yep. racial strife, all of it, um, social unrest, everything. And so our thanks to Busters on Twenty Eighth. And we like we would like to ask that if you enjoy the Brian Oak Show, uh, that you patronize them. They're right there on Twenty Eighth and Forty. 42nd in South Minneapolis, right there close to Lake Hiawatha. Uh, they're good people and they've got good food. So check them out. Busterson28th.com. And a quick thanks to AudioQuip for providing us with this studio full of incredible professional equipment here. They're also going through a hard time because it turns out, you know what? When bands don't have gigs, mm. they don't rent equipment. Yeah, you know, it's heartbreaking. PAs, I've, mics, the whole bit. You know, I chatted with uh, Nate over at AudioQuip a couple of times via Facebook messaging. And, and uh, yeah, it's a battle. It's a battle for them right now. So if you know of anybody looking uh, to rent equipment, they are your source, audio equip. Uh-huh. And this is the Brian Oak Show. Now, before we wrap things up, uh, I just wanted to really remind everybody that I am not here to preach or proselytize. I'm not saying AA is the way or you must quit your sinful drinking <laughs> because I'm not really a big God guy. And to me, that was a big stumbling block. And still, it kind of is. I've got to find a way yeah. because a big part of the steps and going through the process is sort of handing things over to your higher power. But the more people I talk to, you know, higher power does not have to be the white-skinned, bearded uh, no. Jesus of Christian lore. <laughs> Although, it, if it is for you, that's fine. Then you're lucky. you got a leg up. Your higher power can be anything you want. It can be love. It can be the other people in your group. It can be your family. It can music. be music. It can be the unknowable nature of the universe, whatever the case may be. So, if you want it, just know that help is out there. But I'm not telling anybody how to live. But I'm also not shying away from the fact that I reached a point where I couldn't do it anymore more and I ended up in the emergency room and really thought I was going to die so I'm going to be doing every now relapses are very common but I'm going to be doing everything in my power especially early on to make sure that I stay on the straight and narrow and I've got some very good people around me so Sean thank you for doing this with me I can't believe we're 81 episodes in already it's kind of crazy isn't it it is kind of crazy oh must be time to end the show. Why, why, <laughs> why would I have an alarm set for 1235? Well, you used to have that all the time because you'd have a little nappy time. Well, that's true. Or, or it'd be like, oh, shit, I got to get over to the studio, the Smart Start MN <laughs> yeah. studio to record the podcast. Sleep till 1235. <laughs> uh, anyway, that is going to do it for episode 81. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And please, on social media, I'm not looking for an attaboy or a pat on the back. I'm very early on in this, and this is yeah. now where the hard work begins. But thanks, everybody, for listening, for supporting our sponsors, and for being a part of this. Don't forget you can always listen to the podcast 
You can subscribe, which we highly recommend. You can download, which we'd also love. And you can promote. If you hear an episode that you love or you just love Sean Bernard, you can go ahead Hmm. and tell your friends uh, (laughs) and promote it on social media. We appreciate all of those things. We want to keep doing this long into the future, bringing you good guests, bringing you good music. And again, thanks to everybody for your support of The Brian Oak Show. Now, quickly, before we go, uh, while I was in treatment for last month, uh, it turns out your guy is still making headlines. City Pages. So popular. Well, <laughs> yes and no. Uh, City Pages released their annual best of, where it's like best burger, uh, best radio station, yeah. best whatever, best newscast, whatever. Their annual best of the Twin Cities has been going on for decades. And then in the music section, it's best emerging local band, best FM DJ, best AM DJ. And lo and behold, I had no idea that there was a category called best music controversy. And this is just one paragraph, so it won't take long. Uh, (laughs) Best music controversy, and then the subtitle is The Current Fires Brian Oak. And they write. It's been a year. It's been, it's it's actually literally been a year. Um, But it starts out, uh, it started innocently enough. Oak, one of the hosts of 89.3 The Current's morning show, was at the palace one night last July with his daughter to see Tenacious D. A club staffer contended that Oak was giving the the minor, my daughter, alcohol. Oak said he was just sharing some ice from his empty drink. After Oak and his offspring got booted, by the way, that's incorrect, I booted myself. No one ever laid a hand on me. I walked out under my own power after they booted my daughter to try to figure out what was going on. Anyway, uh, he blasted the club and employee in a since-deleted Facebook post. Two things I have to correct in that sentence. Um, I never mentioned the name of the club, but I did mention the employee, and that was the hint, the sticking yeah, point her right first there. Name. Uh, also, I didn't delete the post. I just put it on private. You think I'm getting rid of that bad boy? <laughs> it was a thing of beauty. It goes on to say the Twin Cities soon got word that Oak was no longer with the current. Was the station protecting its relationship with First Avenue? Guarding its image? Were there long-standing grievances between the station and the DJ? All of the above? Nobody's talking, so we can only guess. All's we know is Oak has a new podcast the current is still doing their thing and the rest of us got a juicy bit of media gossip what's up you think we're not getting that printed up and hung up in the studio it, it was a year ago boy's been off the air for a year best music controversy the current firing brian oak now as i've learned in the program letting go of the past making amends with the past being at peace with your past is a big part of not just the program and recovery but of life in fucking general i have put it behind me and moved on to the new phase in my life <laughs> I would like everyone else to do the same. So thank you, City Pages, for giving me one last frameable moment about my life at The Current. (laughs) But let's go ahead and put it behind us. But let's also remember the nature of why a year later that is still being remembered and talked about. And we'll do it with a final song from another legendary Minnesotan. We'll see you next time on The Brian Oak Show.
black and white, I wish there were no rules.